rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome, friends. This is Bob Hutchins. As usual, another episode of Rumors of Grace. This is going to be an exciting new podcast experience today for you. I have got uh, my son joining me from Los Angeles, who's going to co-host with me, and we're going to talk to one of his best friends, Damian Rowe. And so before we jump right in to this exhilarating experience today, let me tell you a little bit about Damian. Damian Rowe went to City Tech in Brooklyn and graduated in 2013 with a bachelor's in communication design. He's a writer for his day job, and he writes for a technology company, uh, a very well-known technology company, but we can't say which one it is. For the last six years, uh, he's lived in Nashville and L.A., and he's been a resident of California for four of those years. He lives in the Bay Area now. Um, and it's the longest place he's ever lived other than Brooklyn. So we're going to dig into that as well. He considers himself a foodie, but a good sandwich is his comfort food. Sometimes uh, he thinks the East Coast thing growing up around bodegas and corner stores had a huge influence on his life. And uh, now he likes ramen. That's his favorite thing to eat. Riley, that's why you guys are friends, I think. To him, everything boils down to one thing. He loves comics, he loves the culture, and that's his North Star. And his heroes that he looks up to are Steve Jobs, Malcolm X, and Patti Smith. Innovation, revolution, inspiration, we're going to have a fun time with Damien. And before I introduce you, Damien, one thing that you did not mention in all of this, your heroes, because you remind me of him, is Mr. Rogers. Welcome, Damien Rowe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> I love Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Damien, welcome from California. Riley, are you are you with us from LA? I'm here hanging out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, before we begin, uh, what's quarantine like, depending on when people are listening to this podcast? Uh, you guys have been holed up. How many days has it been there in, in on the West Coast? Um, it's been, um, what, about over 60 days, right? Because it started in March. It, mm. it started in March and um, headed down, uh, what, now we're in May. Wow. So two months, yeah. Wow. It's crazy because I actually went down to visit uh, L.A. And while I was in L.A., we were hanging out. And then as we are driving back up, I find out I'm heading into quarantine. And I have not been back into my office yet. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been one extended vacation for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, California is obviously a unique place uh, in general, but the way that, that, that you guys are handling, obviously, the quarantine because of the populations in those cities is definitely different and unique. Here in Tennessee, believe it or not, we are almost back to normal. Um, it's already past the middle of May, and... Um, it's kind of weird to, to get out and about and go to restaurants and see people. Um, everybody's still pretty cautious and a lot of people still wearing masks and, and trying to distance as much as, as possible. So I think in the next few weeks, it's going to be kind of interesting to see, um, you know, 
what states are going to be still be in quarantine, which ones are totally back to normal. And then you're, then we're going to have like two things going on simultaneously for sure. Riley, what's it been like for you? Yeah, I've been about the same. I mean, it just was announced it's going to go till June full lockdown for us. So uh, everyone's still wearing masks. It's mandatory, um, only essential businesses and one level up from that, which still everything's pickup only. So people aren't really congregating. People are still going to like parks um, and such. But overall, me and my friends have been trying to social distance and stay inside as much as possible. So just working from home and going on walks as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes, but Damien, um, I want to hear about, uh, you, you've been a friend of Riley's and a friend of the family now for a few years and you're like a, a second son to us, but I, I uh, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> <We're crying. laughs> and L- little Cal says hi. So, uh, we, I want to hear, I want to hear more about your upbringing and like, I know you grew up in Brooklyn. I know a little bit about your background, but we haven't really talked a ton about it. And I think it's interesting for this podcast is we, you know, I talked to many different types of people all over the country about their stories, about kind of their journeys, their evolutions as, as just human beings and where you are right now. Um, I think it's really interesting to hear where you came from and, and kind of where you're landing right now in your life. Um, talk to me about where you're born and what your family and you have siblings, your parents. Can we go back to the beginning? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> man, I love, I'm excited to share this. Um, so like, yeah, I, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, like everyone who meets me, they know that's like probably one of the first things that's going to come out of my mouth, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Um, um, my parents are both immigrants from Jamaica. Um, so they came up here in probably like the eighties, um, settled down, um, made a life for themselves. Um, and it's funny growing up to two Jamaican immigrants, we come to New York, you hear a lot of stories about how they were poor, um, and how like they were in this land of opportunity and they took advantage of everything here to make something for themselves. Um, and it's, it was pretty cool because when I was younger and I need to go back and visit, I used to go back and visit Jamaica and then you're like, oh, wow, the stories are real. Like, <laughs> this is not a house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you see a lot, but it, it was great. And it played a huge um, impact in my life. Uh, just knowing that, um, seeing my parents, like, come up here um, and make something of themselves. Another thing growing up, um, I have two siblings. Um, I have an older brother, a younger sister, um, and we all grew up in a Christian household, Seventh-day Adventist, and I feel like that played a huge impact in my life, even to this day. I'm not really a practicer of it, but it still um, definitely has a huge impact in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually for the good, I would say, more than anything, um, how to treat people, how to, like, uh, I think that was one of the things that I loved about my parents. They were always like making sure that we were accepting of everybody. Um, just like caring, selfless. Like my parents are the most selfless people that I know. Um, and I love them for it. Um, and, and it was great. So I, so because I grew up, um, you know, I have parents, they're here in the United States. They're like, okay, we're in this land of opportunity. Uh, we're going to also, you know, we're going to be good stewards of the of the world because that's what Christ calls us to do. So I basically went to 
uh, private school all my life. Literally went to a private school right around the corner from my house for like eight years. <laughs> uh, went to boarding high school. Um, and it wasn't until I went to college, I came back. I, I never really did too good in high school. But um, me and my parents were like, man, we put all this money into this. You're, we're not paying for your college. And I'm like, oh, well, I got to figure out how I'm going to college. So I ended up coming back to Brooklyn. And because um, I was a resident of New York, you know, I went to community college. They basically paid for me to go to school. Um, and I studied at City Tech, um, which you said earlier. And I'm always proud to shout out City Tech. Um, and yeah, like it, it was pretty good, like coming back and, and, and being in Brooklyn and then having this, like, I saw this different side mm. to, to New York and, and, and a different side to life because imagine growing up always in like a Christian institution and like, you know, um, you, you finally go out and then you're like, your, your, your values and your beliefs are kind of put to the test. But then it, 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 for me, it just like enveloped or developed into something that was real for me. Mm. Um, so, so, so that was kind of my life growing up. Um, and, and it was always very interesting growing up in Brooklyn. There was a certain point where, you know, when I told people I was from Brooklyn, they would be like, oh my goodness, like you're from Brooklyn? Like, how did you make it? <laughs> like, and now you go to Brooklyn, people are like, Brooklyn, it's so cool. Yeah, it's a like, cool place you know, to be. A, yeah. <laughs> but my neighborhood was always like one of those weird neighborhoods, like specifically my block. It could be block to block. You have a block that's like chaotic, and then the next block is like you're in the, the Hampton. And my block was always amazing, great neighbors. I, I really had a great upbringing, you know, I can't complain. And it, it, even today I can see it now that I'm not home. I, I see it emulate in my day to day. So yeah. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, tell me about, um, what were your dreams as a child? I mean, I know what you're doing now. Is this something that you always yeah. wanted to do? Because one thing I didn't mention in your bio is not only do you love comics, but you create them, you draw them, boom kid, other things you're doing. Um, yeah. You're an artist and a writer. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I always dream of making comics. So like that is like, you know, I feel like this first question of like growing up in my family, we're going to always come back to it. We're going to mm -hmm. come back to it. Uh, and, and it's like my, I looked up to my older brother. I used to write reports about my older brother. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like I would always be like, who's your hero? They'll, they'll ask you who's your hero at school. And I'm like, my older brother is the coolest, right? And he was very into comics. And he was into comics and drawing because his older cousin was into drawing and comics. So it just kept trickling down. For right. me, I just knew, like, everyone was, like, into basketball and sports. I was into that, too. But then I, there was a point where I accepted, like, I am not going that road. It is not happening for me. <laughs> so like I always fell in love with the medium um animation cartoons comics and it was the one thing that um I knew I could control in my life because all I needed was a pencil and a paper and I could make anything right um and so it, it was always my dream since I was a little kid um and it was very interesting too because like you're growing up and um I didn't want to do other things like you know you have the occasional, like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I said those things. But then, like, eventually, like, when you're coming to terms with, like, reality, you're like, this is what I really want to do. Um, and it's hard because, once again, 
had parents who like came up here and made something for themselves. So in their head, they're like, wait a minute, you know, we need to make sure you're secure, right? Um, and and it was cool also being the middle child because I think they gave me a little bit more leeway to do stuff that I could kind of sneak away and do stuff and then test it out and be like, hey, look what I did. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, maybe he's thought to something. So it was it was pretty cool. And um, I, I, you know, it's always been part of my life. But um, it, 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 it is a challenge chasing your dream. That's what I will say. It is a challenge because you... It, especially like if you're going into the arts, I think um, I read George Orwell said it best. I want to say, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm drawing on the wrong name. But there's a writer. Um, who wrote 1984? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Orwell. It was George Orwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, we can mix up with him with George Orwell and Orson Welles. But oh, okay, George Orwell said, uh, to be a writer is to, is, uh, I think it's like something of, to be a writer is to please your ego. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, like being an artist is about fulfilling your inner ego um, and, and then going out and then asking people to pay for that. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> so, you know, you tell people that they're like, nah, man, chill, you should probably do this. But I've always hit these roadblocks and then I just keep going forward and forward because it, it's, it's the one thing that keeps me sane and it's the one thing that makes me happy, mm. you know? So it, it has been my dream. Um, I'll even share this, like, um, as I, as I said, you said in my bio, I used to live in Los Angeles and a lot of people, when I, when they knew I lived in Los Angeles, they actually thought I was living a very like fancy lifestyle, but that was the poorest I've ever been in my life. I literally was making $9,000 a year, Mm. a part-time job, could not afford my car insurance. And it was actually the most happiest time of my life. Because it was the only time that I was like forced to like actually create something. I had no choice. It was either draw or don't draw at all, you know? And I think from when, when I went, when I felt like when my dream was put to that test, it was, I knew exactly that I had to, I had to follow this. Dream, That's you awesome. Know? That's awesome. Well, yeah. you and Riley, you and Riley have uh comics in in common i know that's riley's passion and part of his work as well and riley was that something i know you guys probably met in a work situation in nashville but it seems like you guys have really bonded and gotten closer over the whole creative side is you feel like the creativity is 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 the glue of your relationship to some degree it's funny you say that uh when we actually first met our first conversation was about anime and comics because I was watching or reading something or vice versa in the break room where we were working. And I came back and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I like that. And we started talking. And then I think from there, one of the first times we hung out, we went to a comic shop and a record store and just, we always, always talk about uh, art and creativity and what inspires us. And I think that's what I love about Damien is he get he is one of the most inspiring people I know when it comes to creativity and doing his art as well as inspiring others to do what they're good at and what they're passionate about. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we really connected on and always will and talk about and connect on daily is just what, what art is inspiring you? What show did you watch? What anime did you watch? What uh, book did you read this week? And it's constantly us just gushing about what our favorite things are and why we should read it. Or if we both read it, then what's our fair parts? And I love that about Damien. He's so passionate about what he like cares about and he'll, tell you why you should care about it too. And then you get hyped about it and you want to watch it or read it. 
That's cool. It's so true. <laughs> so, so talk to me about this love for comics and graphic novels. Um, I get it on one level, but then on another level, I don't obviously because I'm of a gener- different generation. But what I kind of see, kind of as an outsider looking in, is you know, everybody loves a good hero story. Everybody loves you know whoever can come in and good versus evil. I get that. But is there like a deeper uh, social human commentary that's taking place uh, underneath the, the the skin of so much of this that, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just stories for kids. But yet so much of uh, what you do and other things I've, I've, I've looked at and I know Riley's, you know, shown me, um, it, it's another way to explore the, the human existence on on maybe a level that people aren't aware of. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think you you hit um, some major good points there. It's funny, like, when I first realized, like, my deep love, it was, like, somewhere in college, and I remember my mom came down, and she basically asked the same thing. She's like, I don't get this. And I was like, just like how you're, like, a, a missionary for Christ, I have, I'm, like, a missionary for comics, man. And it's, like, <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing about it is, like, this. It's, the I think sometimes when people look at, comics, graphic novels, anime, they see something and then they see drawings and then they or a cartoon and then they allude that to child children and they think it's childish. But what it really is, it's just a medium, right? And so if you um like anyone could come in and make a comic. Anyone could do like some of like there's like Eisner winning I'm not Eisner, um New York Times best selling. There's Eisner's um which is the award for like best comics out there, where one of them was about um with John Lewis and it's called March and it's about the civil rights movement and his personal experience in that. Um it's a great read. So like I will say that most people what happened is you have it's it's kind of like hip hop, um, I, I or or and and I will, I'm gonna use hip hop and country music both because I actually do like country music. One of the main reasons I moved to Nashville. A lot of people don't know that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the thing about those genres, right? When you look at those genres, they have popular music. They have music that if anyone were so popular in those genres, like very into those genres. And you said a certain name, you'd be like, oh, oh, great, you like this person. But those genres also have like sub, like uh, sub music in it, mm. where it goes deeper or different things. So like, there may be a rapper like that I like that not everyone knows, like, and it's still as popular. Like in hip hop right now, I like uh, this guy named um, Coda the Friend, and not a lot of people know who Coda the Friend is, right? So same thing with comics. It's one of those things where the top level popular thing are going to be your Marvel, your DCs, your Batman, your, your superheroes, um, genre, but there's this whole other side. And I was so privileged to grow up in Brooklyn and I'll explain this too, as well, that to, to be exposed to this other side of comics that I didn't even know. And then was like, Oh, I love this where you have comics that are talking about relationships, um, diversity, um, um, sexual health like there's just so much things that people can do and tell and 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 what's also about it is like some of these people they maybe want to make a movie about this but they don't have the funds but they can afford paper 
pen and ink mm. <laughs> and, and put that down and, and express it. So there is this deeper side. And and one comic I would tell anyone, like if anyone listening to this podcast, if you wanted to check out a graphic novel and challenge this theory, there is a comic that I would rep- uh, tell anyone that will um, that anyone could relate to, and it's called I Kill Giants. I don't know if you read that one, Riley, but it's a uh, it's it's about uh, a young girl who goes out and she fights giants, but it's also about dealing with uh, death and accepting death, and it's it's so it's so thought provoking, and, and I'm just like it's amazing what this medium can do. Mm. Um, and then there's the other side of it. So you know, I draw and, right. and, and draw and write them. Then there's that side. I literally get a rush when I'm drawing comics. It takes hours. It 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 takes hours to make. Um, sometimes that's why I'm not so fast, and I'm like, oh, I don't, don't want to do this. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when someone can read that, it, it it's like it's a joy to just sit down and create this world that you saw in your head. Um, for me personally, um, and 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 I wanted to just touch on this. Like the reason I said Brooklyn is such a great place for comics to me. Brooklyn was and still is the place where I think um, comics is like well known. So, um, and when I mean like more of the indie stuff, because even like what uh, I want to, you know, what, let me not say that, but I I will say that like a lot of the first comic book creators came out of Brooklyn, and there's a lot of people who actually moved to Brooklyn to to get into that medium and in that art. So yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, Riley, do you have any comments on uh, kind of the 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 social commentaries and maybe some of the deeper meanings behind some of the stuff you've read? I mean, I know nothing wrong with you know a ton of fun, a ton of really cool, outrageous stories, but um, what what really draws you into that environment, to that world? Yeah, I think Damien touched on one thing that I was going to say too is, and that he was really hitting on is that the artists in these mediums have full control of what they're making. Mm. So a lot of times you see these stories and these ideas that would be really hard to display in a movie or a TV show by a big network because there's a lot of bells and whistles or there's a lot of things that just doesn't look good or translate to live action, but you can draw it and you can make that vision or that dream happen. Um, so that's, I think, another reason I really, one of the reasons I really like um, comics and graphic novels and anime is all that stuff. The artist has full control over his world and what is happening in that world. And you really see that in comics, I think. Um, going on the social commentary, actually, one of the posters behind me, the Doom Patrol poster is a great example of a show that uh, came from a comic by Gerard Way, which is amazing. Um, we all, We've all... Damien and I have talked so much about this comic in general um, and also about Umbrella Academy, another another one that is now a hit on Netflix. We're seeing these uh, live action adaptations of comics because their social commentary is so strong and their character development is so strong. Um, Doom Patrol, for example, there's each character is struggling with this superpower that they don't really know how to handle. Um, but that superpower actually is a deeper thing. It's usually their trauma from their past that they're trying that they haven't actually dealt with, and that's the the superpower is just the way to show that. Um, but really deep down, we're talking about years of trauma that this guy is dealing with. For instance, negative man. Um, so I love the idea that we can that an artist can visually interpret things however they want, and one way to do that is through superheroes. Um, and it's 
me as someone with ADD that loves flashy fun stuff, I would I would love the idea of being able to um, deal with hard subjects while also being visually pleased. And another show that I would highly recommend is Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Mm. That's a great example of um, it looks like a cart like a kids cartoon, uh, but really it's a deep uh, commentary, political commentary, almost like a, a podcast with crazy animation. Um, that the artists have in the background, which I just love that idea. So I think um, for me, I really like the idea that the artists, and uh, we're seeing the artist has full control over what they're creating with comics and with that style of animation, which is really fun and provides cool, unique things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Umbrella Academy. I've watched that series and I loved it. Um, definitely some heavy, deep um you know, social commentary, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships, you know, psychological, like you said, trauma and, and processing of, you know, just stuff. Um, it's really, it's really good. That's awesome. That's awesome, guys. So, so Damien, talk to me about your own comic about Boom Kid. What is it and what did it come yeah. from? So, um, yeah, Boom Kid is, I would say, uh, ooh, how, how would I explain it? It, it, it's a, a so it's a it's a hip hop comic. I would say it's a that's the genre. I would say it's a superhero hip hop comic. Um, and one thing I love, I love comedy, um, and I love slice of life type um, content. Um, and so one thing when you read Boom Kid, it doesn't look like a superhero comic per se, but people have powers in there, and the concept is that they're in hip hop. Uh, the the celebrities of hip hop they all have powers and they use their powers to enhance their music and their performances. Mm. Um, and so how I came up with the idea was that when I was in college I was truly trying to be a rap artist and it was not working out. And I remember I was like, well, it was sort of it, it was it was like a, a thing. It, it's a whole thing. But what I do remember was one day on a thunder like a thunderstorm. <laughs> going on and i was freestyling in my room and then as i was rapping like practicing my raps this huge thunderstorm just went like uh like uh thunder just rolled in and it was like boom, 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 boom. and i was like what i was like was that me <laughs> and so uh i came up with the idea of boom kid of this rapper who has the ability to like make thunder like effects from his mouth and he can use it in his raps, and he does it at his shows, that he can control it. Um, and I've always had the idea since college, I just drew it over and over. And then there was another person that was related to it named Ghost Girl, um, that was his girlfriend. So it was always this love relationship that I had. And um, for the last couple of years, I just kept every October, I would draw them back and forth every year. And then I was like, one day I got to do a story about this. So fast forward to 2015, while I was living in Nashville, uh, it was just a good time for rap music. And a lot of music got like released randomly. And I remember I was just like, had just went part time at my job and I was looking to do more creative stuff. So I sat down and I started drawing this story. I was like, I'm going to finally tell this story. Um, and during that summer, there was a big rap beef between two of the biggest rap artists, Drake and, uh, and Meek Mill. And that kind of inspired me to tell the story of like 
uh, taken everything from 2015 and kind of put it into this comic where like this rapper, there's this beef going on and he drops a random um, album and he decides to come back to um, to New York where he's kind of been outcasted and why. And we kind of um, uncover all of this stuff. You uncover it as the story goes on. Um, and what was great about it was that um, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, so you you notice that everything's going on, and like they, it's I try to develop the story of like the culture and capture in 2015. That's what mm. I wanted to do. So as I'm um, doing that and I'm telling this story, at first it was going to be a day to day comic, like once a week, and then one day I just decided to put it all in there. And I just started unpacking it and unpacking it and unpacking it. And what I wanted to show was like, okay, you don't really understand this like landscape or this culture, but as you read, you're going to figure out more and more and more. And then you start realizing like, oh, there's not one rapper with superpowers. There's two rappers with superpowers. Wait, there's four. There's like 20 and there's 50. And what I love about making this comic, it really is part of me like it is me it is my voice it's it's brooklyn Mm. it's rap it's um it's it's a commentary on how i feel about um certain things like i i love rap beats and what if rappers had superpowers and they were beefing with each other Mm. so um (laughs) that's that's basically what boom kid is yeah where can people Uh, where can people see that if they want to check it out um, the best way right now is I have a, if you go to gumroad.com, that's G-U-M-R-O-A-D, gumroad.com slash Damianism, D-A-M-I-A-N-I-S-M. Hopefully you have a link in your... Yeah, I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you can go and you can, uh, they're all free. And you you can download them for zero dollars, or you could donate. But my my ask when people buy them is um when they get them is to just share them with other people. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That's awesome. <laughs> Boom, kid. That's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, um, we'll put definitely put some links in the show notes. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit, and I wanted to kind of get you both in this conversation, not to turn too heavy. But you and I um, have kind of texted back and forth about this, and I know it's something that's important to you, and, and I just want to hear your perspective, because this show is about getting different perspectives from different people and trying to just kind of hear those different perspectives. And I want to talk to you about the Ahmad Arbery case that's going on uh, in Georgia. Um, you know, Riley grew up in Nashville. You spent time here. We're kind of in the South. Uh, George is just to the south of us, and now you're living in in California. Both of you out there, almost in a different world altogether. Um, this is this this time that we're living in. This this COVID nineteen is is opened up and exposed a lot of things about us as as a society and as about humans and our own selves individually. Um, but also, I think what we're seeing with that specific case of a young black man who was gunned down on a on on a seemed to be just a a normal run out in a neighborhood, uh, and that video being kept quiet for two months finally has come out. Um, 
what does that do to you? What does that spark in you, Damien, um, as a young black man living in, in America who's kind of lived up, grew up in Brooklyn, lived in the South, now living in the West? What, what are your thoughts on that? And what's the discussions that's going on with your circle of friends? Yeah. Oh, man. Ooh, uh, let me just put this. When I first heard about it, I was like praying that it was not true. I was just like, oh, this cannot be true. This cannot be true. Um, and, and, and also, well, when I heard about it, I was just saying to myself, what a time for this to come out. Because like no one can go out and protest one. And no one can really like it's going to be hard to get a trial um, because anything they anything that is said or done, they could just go and say quarantine. That was right. in my head and my speculation. Um, I feel like, you know, I haven't really I focused on the story, but I try not to focus too much on it. And and, I, um, and, and, and I'll just share a little bit what I keep in and try to let out. And it's because I do also have a lot, like you said, I'm from Brooklyn, so my family's in in New York, the Epic Center. So I think about that, right? So I already have that one thing. I live alone, so I already have that to think about. And then to think about this is a whole other thing. So I I very have to compartmentalize it. But what it does, and I feel like, you know, I'm hearing from people and I experience myself. There's another thing now added to the checklist of what Black people cannot do in America. And we can't go running, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we just can't run. And 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 I think you even saw, uh, if you saw my Instagram, there was another uh, shooting that happened, and now we can't sleep. And so every time I see one of these things happen, I just go like, okay, so I can't wear a hoodie, I can't blast my music, I can't smoke a cigarette, I can't run, I can't own a legal firearm and tell the police I do, and I can't sleep. And you hear those things and it, it just makes you angry and it makes well, it makes me angry because you're you're just trying to be a human being, right? And 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 you're trying to live. Um yeah, I, I just have no words for it. What's what's sad about the whole situation too, um, is that how long mm. it took for those that video to come out mm. and and what even makes it even more hurtful whew, is um, the fact that people got mad on on Instagram. Mm. If, if people didn't get mad on Instagram, because that story we like was uh, came out um, what almost a week before the guys were arrested. So right. yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a it's heavy. It's heavy because then you like, and, but then, you know, the good side about it is I would say from the whole situation, not about the shooting. So the good side about it or the positive is that thank God for technology that we can hold people accountable. Right. Um, because what happened if we didn't have Instagram, we don't have to go into that world, but think about it. What if we didn't have the internet right now? Mm. Would 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 this have just flying underneath the radar? So that's mm. kind of where I'm going uh, and feel with that. I I've already accepted that there will never truly be equality, um, true equality in this nation until we address slavery, like face on and mm. um, and talk about it. 
Mm. Um, so if we don't do that, that's, that's yeah, we're never gonna think. So these are always gonna happen. Mm. Um, what, and and one thing else I would add to that is that what I'm also looking forward to now at this point is what is going to come out of the trial. So where people, I I hope that everyone um, pay attention to how this uh, goes down, how if, you know, we get a grand jury, the indictment and all this, uh, the, that process, because that is just as important um, to, you know, the lead up of this whole thing. Because when you look at certain cases, like, uh, uh, I want to say it's Costello. Uh, I can't say his name properly, but uh, the young black man that was shot in his car when he had the right. firearm. Right, right. Yeah, and legally. When when you go through a trial like that, right, a lot of people, like, uh, I think some black Americans and maybe white Americans or all Americans may already assume, like, these guys are going to get off because it's happened, you know? What I look for, I don't get mad at necessarily that because we kind of expect that to happen, Hmm. but we don't want to set precedent. And that's what's scary for me because now when a jury goes and says that the police are not guilty, that now legalizes the fact that I cannot have a firearm legally in my, um, in my um, car and tell the police officer about it. And, and, and that scares me because not more for me, because I feel like I'm now 31 and I've seen this and dealt with it, but I scare for my future children, you know? Mm. So, so I think about it like that, because I don't want them to feel that way or understand that, but that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a heavy subject. It's a heavy subject. Riley, do you have any thoughts on that? I want cause I I do, I want to dive into something that you mentioned there, Damien, but I want to hear Riley, if he has any perspective, be it living in LA, growing up in the South. I mean, I'm privileged enough to not have to deal with it. I remember having a conversation with Damien once actually, when we were in the car driving somewhere and there was like a cop car behind us or something. And you like freaked out for a split second and you like said something and I like didn't even realize. And he, and we, that sparked the conversation of just like, you just don't understand what it's like being a black man in the South. And like, if a cop car pulled up and you were driving, it'd be way different conversation than if I was driving a blacked out car. And that really hit a nerve for me. I think at that point, it's Mm. just like, wow. Yeah. Like I don't even recognize my privilege in this, but also, I mean, we've seen systematic racism in police forever since before we were born so i mean are we surprised at all that this is still happening a when we've never dealt with it and b why haven't we like when we've had this conversation we've had a conversation about this in the past and one of the things is like okay let's have body cams and then all of a sudden that conversation disappeared and now we're having another i just don't understand why it's allowed it as damien said it everything he's saying makes sense and it is all true because it keeps happening and the government keeps allowing it to happen. So in my eyes and personally, I don't trust police because it systematically like systematically it's proven that police protect themselves and that system is messed up. So you, at the same time, systematically people that are being raised in that system and that are police are being trained in the way to be racist honestly and we see that in how people are protecting the this case of 
oh, well, he actually was illegally in a house. So like maybe there was a case and maybe they did have, it's like, if that's, if systematically we're okay with shooting someone because they went inside of like a house being built, there's some, that's a whole other conversation. Um, so yeah, I think, I think what Damien, Damien nailed it on the head. So I would just echo what he said exactly. But also we have to think about systematically what's been happening in our government and also in our police force for 20, 50 years. Yeah. Exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'll even add something to that. If that's cool. Is like, you said something about you don't trust police. And sometimes I think when people hear that, they think we're like, Oh, anti-police or anything. It's not that, uh, I want to make it clear. It's not that we, we don't trust police. You just have to understand if, if, if a bully is literally bullying you every day for your lunch and you see that bully, no matter if that bully went and got like changed his ways or whatever, and you see that bully, you're always going to have a reaction of not trusting that bully, no matter the, their good intention, right? Because I also know tons of people who are police officers um, that I'm like, oh, great. Like literally when I see them, I remember being in New York, when I see them, I'll go up to them, talk to them because I know that's someone I know that I can trust, you know, who has my well-intention and well-being for me. But um, I, I, I just want to make that 100% clear. Like, it's not like we're anti-police or anything it's like that. It's just that, yo, man, I, I've seen what happens when a police is around <laughs> right. someone that looks like me. So I'm not, right. trying, I'm not trying to like, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I want to avoid yeah. that situation as much as possible. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't mean to make it like that. I think also part of my thing was less about police and more about when people are in a position of power that's unchecked or uh, yes. or is being handled in the wrong way systematically for a long time. I I personally lose trust in that system, um, especially when it yeah. So th it's less about police and more about an unchecked system that in the past has a history of doing something very bad. And yes. so if you so when you see. Yeah. Also, the the fact that training in the U.S. is very different in other countries when it comes to our police force that also is a little scary for me. Um, I don't know. I just I just think that it's about the system more less about like the people. There are very good good police people that are trying to do good in their communities. Damien, again, echo Damien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lot, not not to sound cliche, but the the old saying is you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, and anytime you have anybody with complete power with no checks or controls over them, it only, it only spirals down to something bad. And I think we're seeing that at all levels, not just the police, but anybody who does not want to have controls over them, but wants to have complete power, um, that always ends up bad. So, uh, Damien, you, you said something specifically, you said it's not going to change until we have an open, honest conversation about slavery. What does that mean to you specifically? Yeah. Um, so one thing I will say is like, and, 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 and to address that and just give everyone some context is that one, my parents are immigrants from Jamaica. Right. Technically I am Jamaican. I am Jamaican American. So my history is not necessarily American history, but and and now I'm even trying to go back and figure out that was. Now my my parents did come out of a nation that did have slavery, um, but their whole situation is different. It's a class system. Like my parents even my mom has told me stories that when she came up here, she didn't even know people were being racist to her. Mm. Like someone had to tell her, like, yo, they're being racist to you. And so um 
it, to them, it's all about class, money, right? So here, growing up, but I grew up learning American history, so I know a lot about um, slavery here in America. And no matter if I like it or not, it affects my life, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I've accepted it and, and made it part of my history. The thing about it is, I think what happened is, if if you look at nations where people have done messed up things, i.e. Australia, and then I'm not, these nations I'm saying they're not perfect, but i.e. Australia, example, Australia and Canada, these nations have actually taken the time to apologize to the people they've um, hurt, oppressed, and put um, uh, systems in place to make amends, right? Um, even Germany, I would even put that out there, Germany as well. Um, when you look at America, America has not, like, it's like we freed the slaves and then we said, you're equal, welcome to the club. And he's like, fam, you've been here. <laughs> like, there's been one set of people who've been, like, doing all this stuff with no problems. And I just left slavery and I now have to catch up to you to be equal and it's like there's no systems in place to fix that um so that's when i say we need to address the problem of slavery because i just think people don't they don't talk about it enough and they don't uh, and if we're not talking about it we don't understand the impact of it right um if it 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 it, it everything comes like <laughs> there's a show on netflix called Black AF hashtag Black mm-hmm. AF and it, it it's funny because every episode says it goes back to slavery like that's the name of every title episode and it's true like everything that happens in America was like even with this uh the shooting of Ahmad like if you look at that if, if someone if an alien came and look at that video and then went and look at the records. They wouldn't know what time period it happened. Just they were just like, wait, the clothes changed. That was about it. And there's a car instead of a horse. It's the same exact thing. So I think we like there has to be a strong conversation about it. And if there is a strong conversation about it, and we address it, um, we can then talk about like what does that look like for Black Americans to to be equal. Well, maybe we need to give. Um, uh, set up systems that will help them catch up or or things of that nature. Then, just a side note to that, but then when you start having that conversation, people are like, well, now you're just giving them handouts. And it's like, no, we're not. <laughs> like, think about it. You literally could, like, I'm just going to be real on this podcast. I could be a Harvard, like, like got my masters or whatever and, and, and dress a certain way. Riley could have never went to school. We walk into a same position to apply and Riley has a better chance of getting that position mm. just because he's a white man in America. Mm. And, um, and it, it's something that we have to talk about. And, and, and I think people are just scared to talk about it. They're scared to look that mirror up and say, Hey, you know, this is just the reality of it. And I only started even thinking like this, like I've, I've experienced um, and seen oppression all my life growing up, but it came to me when I actually read this very interesting, interesting book, um, interesting book called um, 
the pursuit of fairness, mm. which is about um, it's about what is it called that system where it allows people to go to college and be a teacher. I'm 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 drawing a blank on the name of this system <laughs> that allows people for equal opportunity to go to school and work. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking, you know what about. talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember right now. I'm trying to play, <laughs> but uh, it's gonna come back to me. But uh, but yeah, it that opened my eyes to like how um unfair like things have been, and then once again, it comes back to to slavery. So I think that that's my answer to that. <laughs> how does how do you feel um when you hear a white person say? in the context of these discussions to a person of color, let's say you specifically, um, why are you always making it about race, Damien? We need to get past that. What do you, how, what, <laughs> how do you feel when someone, when a white person says that? Um, so also I just want to say, I just got the word. It's affirmative action. Affirmative action. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Affirmative action. <laughs> uh, when I hear that, um, it all depends. First of all, it depends who the white person is. If it's my good friend, we have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> if it's uh, if it's someone that I just randomly <laughs> met, I just take a bottle of water and I just sip it, and then I just roll my eyes and walk away. <laughs> but, but on the real, I I think it's um, what I would say to that person is okay. Let's have a conversation without race. And I guarantee you that conversation will come back to race. Mm. It, it, it's always going to come back to race because you know why? Because you, ju- you chose not to talk about race. <laughs> That's like almost saying, oh, man, let's let like someone has, um, I'm going to think of, hopefully this is a good analogy, but like someone has something wrong in their leg and it's probably a tumor or something like that. And they avoid to talk about that. So we can talk about all the stuff they want to do with that leg and all that stuff. But then you start realizing as you're going down the conversation, you cannot do this thing because you have this tumor in your leg. You cannot climb Mount Everest. You can't ride a bicycle. So you came back to it. You have to deal with this problem before you can move forward. So anyone who says that to me, like it has to also very depend on who the person, because sometimes I don't have the energy to explain it to people. I'm just like, Wikipedia and Google's out there, figure it out. But then there's some people that I'm like, no, let's talk about this um, because it's always going to come back to that. And and that's where I would say it comes back to race because we just don't talk about it. Mm. Um, but I also want to say that race, <sighs> how should I say this? Race is always a, is a factor, but Race shouldn't stop you from being who you are. Mm, that's good. That's good. You understand? Because um, I always feel weird talking about this and that. I feel like one side or the other. But you know, I'm gonna say what I gotta say. But you're in a but you're in a you really <laughs> unique situation, and I think it's what's so important to hear your voice and to give you a space to talk about it is because you're in a very unique situation. You know, because you're you have. Uh, parents that were immigrants from Jamaica, but yet you did grow up as an American in Brooklyn. So you're able to see things a little bit uniquely say than somebody who just, you know, grew up in one place with, from one color and, you know, that was a native of, of the state. So I think your voice is important. Thank you. Thank you. And it's true because like, sometimes I, you know, like 
I even now I'm very like moving out to California. I've become like when I lived on the East Coast in the South, I was Damien Rowe, Black American. Now I'm out here, I'm like, I'm Jamaican American. And the only reason I say that is because I started realizing like my good friends who grew up here and their parents were born here, we have two different experiences. Mm. Um, and I think what it comes down to really most importantly, it's about being empathetic to people. Mm. Because I don't have the experiences that some of my friends who are black Americans here but have, but I'm empathetic. So I try to understand it so I can put that context in my life. Um on 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 the album uh uh, a seat at the table by Solange. There's a skit where they say um, "Black Pride" or "Black." Um, I forgot what the mom says, but basically it's to the to the saying of like, "I'm I'm proud of my skin color. I'm proud to be black." That doesn't mean I hate anyone who's being white. Mm. You know, it it it's like it's okay to be prideful and to be that because that's our identity. It's not who we are but it's part of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always going to be part of me, and I'm, I'm very much aware of it. To me, I think it's, like, I'm so proud to be African-American, to be Black, to be Jamaican, because I feel like it gives me an extra boost to go harder on the things I need to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I have to succeed, you know? I have this chip on my shoulder. I'm like, man, I don't know what I would have done if I was white, man. I probably would have never drawn a comic in my life. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you touched on something. You talked about empathy. That's a, that's a big thing for me. And I know Riley, it's important to him. And, um, you know, I just, I think we should kind of spend the last few minutes on a positive note, just talking about the value of sitting down the ta- across the table from someone very different from you, different color, different orientation, different religion, whatever it may be, and really um, getting to know them and hear their story and listen to them and try to see the world through their eyes. Um, it's real easy to surround yourself with people that look like you, that believe like you. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's not nothing wrong with having your own tribe of people you like. However, but if you never get beyond that, um, I think that's where we get tribalism um, that always ends up negative. And you can't, uh, someone said something a while back that I've always tried to take to heart is don't judge or make a comment about someone who's another race, another color, another orientation, another socioeconomic status, unless you've sat down and spent time talking to that person and befriending them. You have no right to make a comment or a judgment about a type of person unless you've experienced and seen things through his eyes. Riley, I'd love to hear your take on that because I know that's something that you're really passionate about. No, I, I love that. I think it's very true. I don't think, I think at the end of the day, we all have something in common with each other. It doesn't matter where we're from or what we believe. At the end of the day, you can find something to connect with. And I think a lot of the world right now, especially with social media, is a lot of creating circles of like-minded individuals and just believing and thinking and talking about the same things over and over and over. And that's why I personally and I know Damon's the same way. Most I my friends are all misfits. I have friends from all over that are into all very different things. But one of the things that I love about my friends is they're all they're all they all have empathy and they all are very passionate about something. And I think that's kind of part of 
that might come with it. I think there's a connection there of some sort. Is when you realize someone has passion for something, it's a lot easier to be empathetic towards them because you can relate it to something that you're passionate about, mm. for instance. Um, and I think that really helped me with like, especially talking and having harder conversations with people that I don't agree with. A lot of times it was it, in the past, I would either just shut down their opinion or not listen to them and not try to see how they're feeling and not be empathetic towards them. Um, but once I realized that that passion might be coming from somewhere else where there's a reason for the way they feel, um, that helps with empathy and going into that conversation and looking at it differently. Because at the end of the day, you're not, I think at the end of the day, when you, when you try to come out of the conversation, understanding something about someone or being empathetic towards someone, it's a much better conversation than trying to prove whatever you're thinking about or trying mm. to um, prove a point. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Go ahead, Damien. I agree. Oh, I was going to say, I agree. Um, there was like so many things come to my head. Just the fact of Riley and I's friendship, like, you know, you know, we come from two different backgrounds. I'm from New York. You're from the South. You know, like, you, you know, I'm black. You're white. You know, my parents are immigrants. You know, like it, it there's so much, but that we have this underlying like passion for something. And I think we see that and we go for that. And there's energy. I don't even think it's some kind of passion. I also think it's like an energy with people. Mm. You can just connect with people. Um, and I think about, that's one, one thing I love, um, growing up in New York City, you never really have to leave New York City. I mean, you, the whole world is there, literally. You can go out and experience um, so much culture. But it was crazy to me that I left and I came to Nashville and I experienced a whole different culture. And it opened my eyes to being empathetic. I had a roommate, my very first roommate, who I love to this day. He and I, we, we were basically like on the like different sides of the coins when it came to our political views, but we very much came to the center on a lot of stuff. And one of the things, and I tell people this all the time, that really brought us together was HBO Girls. We would we would we would <laughs> we would watch that show, and I'm like, how is it that this kid from Brooklyn and this guy who grew up in Louisiana both come together to watch this like? crazy show about like you know these white girls who are like privileged and live in new york and i'm just like because at the end of the day those are stories that i have no idea hearing about or knowing about and i want to hear about that and he doesn't have that experience and he wanted to hear about that and i think when we're empathetic or we explore other cultures to me it just makes it more fun because like i don't know what it's like to live in a certain part of the world. I want to know about that. And that's fun. And that's interesting. Um, I think that's the beauty of the United States. Like, I'm very, very passionate. Like, one of my favorite holidays is 4th of July. It's going to be stuff that we're going to have to probably be inside for it. But I love the 4th of July. And everyone's like, oh, you're not really American. And we weren't really feet. But I think it's the ideology around um, the 4th of July. And when you look at America, and maybe this is going to sound corny or cheesy, but I have to say, when you look at the United States, it is just so gorgeous, right? It is so beautiful. It is like so many different cultures, so many different uh, ways of life, food. Um, you really can't really experience something like this in the rest of the world. Yes, that's true. And I, I, 
I was thinking about, uh, I was watching a Vice um, special the other day, just before this happened. This was probably a year, last year sometime. There was a huge set of floods in middle America. And the cows got like, were destroyed. And and these people, oh man, it, it hurt my heart because these people are like white farmers, probably voted for Trump and whatever. And I was just bawling my eyes out for them. And I remember going to work the next day and telling my coworkers, and one of my coworkers was like, why, man? Like, they don't probably care about you. I was like, those are my people. Those are Americans who are affected, you know? And I don't know, like, maybe I sound like a cornball, no, but <laughs> like, ah, I want to be American. But like, it, it, it is something that I think, I wish people didn't oppose what makes America quote unquote great. Right. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's the difference mm. uh, of this. And it's funny, like almost all my liberal friends in uh, California, whatever, <laughs> who start drinking, I go into this rant. <laughs> They're like, oh, here comes Damien. <laughs> like, I'm like, man, I'm proud of the American. Like, you can come here and have the freedom to marry whoever you want, to mm. be um, uh, a minority and start your own business. Like there's so much stories that come from here. And I, and I, to me, instead of saying, you know what, I don't like that or I oppose that or I'm against that, make it yours. Cause I want, I want my success to be your success, you know? That's awesome. And you see that a lot in like, um, in black culture too, in America. Like it's like, we want to be a part of it and we want y'all to be a part of it. It's like, Maybe that's where I get it from, but it's just such a beautiful thing. So, yeah, that is, that's my whole thing on that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Riley, you have any closing thoughts before we start wrapping it up? No, it was great to have a conversation and just hang out. I'd love to do this one. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate you both. Um, Damien, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your kindness and your empathy that, that shows through. And, and Riley, thanks for you know, introducing me to your friends all the time because you always pick good ones for sure. Uh, your your Instagram handle, Damien, is it the same Damienism, right? It is Damienism, yes. D -A I started that in high school. Yeah, D-A-M-I-A-N-I-S-M, right? Correct, correct. That's awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to put some other stuff in the show notes. And uh, again, thank you for, for, for getting online. And I know you've got a busy day today, but... Uh, you just continue to stay safe out there in California, and I will look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, you stay safe. It was great. I had a great time. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you guys later. See you, Riley. All right. Bye, Big Bob. Bye. <laughs> Bye.